All right, community of faith, how are we doing this morning? I love it. If you're joining us at home, we're glad you're here. I've got quite a topic for you today. I'm going to talk about the coming crash and the true believer. So we got to get focused today. So I want you just to bow your heads with me. And we're going to go through a little simple exercise, something that I do every day. And I want you to begin to practice it on a daily basis. First of all, let's just thank the Lord for what he's done for us. Thank him for his blessings. Thank him for those many things that he's done throughout this week or maybe even just this morning. Just a few of those. Pick some out and thank him. So good. Now let's praise him. How do you do that? You just say, God, what I really like about you is, and and pick some of his attributes. That's what praise is. I love how humble you are. I love how mighty you are. I love just how much you love us. Whatever it is, you pick some of those out and just tell him what you like about him. It's a simple thing, praise. Now I want you to practice what I call spiritual breathing. In fact, why don't we just take a big breath in through our nose and out through our mouth, just release it, kind of get grounded. And if you're a believer here this morning, you have God's Holy Spirit living inside of you. So the first thing we do is we want to exhale spiritually, and that is you confess your sin. So just say, Holy Spirit, you live inside of me. Would you just bring to my mind right now anything that's blocking the relationship between us. Just bring it to my mind. And don't try to conjure up every sin you've ever committed since you were three. Just let him bring those up. And when he does, you confess it. Confess in the Greek language just simply means to agree with. So you just say, I agree with you, that's sin. You don't have to crawl across broken glass and repentance. You just say, I agree with you. And he takes that away. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. Then I want you to breathe in spiritually. That's just say, Holy Spirit, just fill me up completely. If you're a believer, he's always there. He's in you. It's Christ in you through his Holy Spirit, the hope of glory. But you just say, fill me and be in charge, be in control. Just tell him that really simply. All right, you can look back up here. We're ready to go. We live in unprecedented times. One of the things that's unprecedented is how many times in the last couple of years we've used the word unprecedented, right? In fact, I I was looking for a word cloud that would tell us how many times in like news clips, media, in, um, you know, professional papers and all of those kind of things in the newspaper that we've used the word Uh, unprecedented, but I couldn't find that, but I know it's a lot. I I read about one guy in in quarantine when everybody everybody was shut down. He decided that he was going to invent a drinking game, and so every time that he 
read or heard the word unprecedented, he would drink a shot of quarantini. Quarantini is not any particular kind of liquor. It's just like whatever you got on hand, he said, you know? And um, I think he was pretty sloshed most of the, most of the, uh, of the quarantine. But we've kind of had to invent like a whole new language. We've been through this COVID stuff. And it, it's interesting because I was looking at some of that this week. And, you know, we had to quarantine. We were in ISO. You know what ISO is, right? Isolation. That's Gen Z version because, you know, if you're Gen Z, you don't spell out anything because you have to text it. And it's too long to isolation. So you're in ISO. You do ISO cooking, you know, um, ISO working. And so you're, you're in the middle of ISO. And, and if you stayed home from college, that was called a coronacation. And I don't know if it was because of the coronas or because of the virus, but, uh, and then a lot of us did this, you know, it, get out of the four walls. You're just going crazy. And so what do you do? You go on a drivecation. You know what that is? You just drive around, stay in your car. You know, you don't get out, but you just drive around. And maybe you needed to go on a drivecation because you got zumped. You know what zumped is? It's getting dumped on Zoom. How many of you got zumped? No, don't raise your hand, right? Got dumped on Zoom. That's getting zumped. And maybe you got zumped because, you know, you got the COVID-15. That was kind of a play on the freshman 15, but you gained 15 pounds because, you know, you were WFH. That's working from home, by the way, you know, and, and the fridge is there. And, and so you've got all that kind of stuff. Or maybe you got zumped because you got a COVID cut. You know what a COVID cut is? It's when your mom like puts a bowl on your head and cuts your hair because you can't go, you know, anywhere. You can't get out. That happened too. Um, or maybe you got zumped because you were a COVID idiot. You know what a COVID idiot is? It's someone who doesn't obey any of the rules of COVID at all. Like masks, forget it. I'm not wearing a mask. Those things aren't effective, right? Or um, shots. I'm not getting any shots. Six feet of distancing, forget that, you know? Or maybe you got dumped because um, you were covid You know what covid is? That means you obey everything that the government tells you. And, you know, you're going like 45th booster because it's 3% effective. Great. Just here, doc, get me, you know? And you've got all of these different things going on all the time. Uh, then there was a whole little group of new people that came along called coronials. You know, those were the ones that were conceived during the lockdown and uh, those cute little tiny masks on them. And a lot of us were doom scrolling, right? You know what doom scrolling is? It's when you take your phone and you look and you see all the bad things that are coming because of the pandemic. And, and you know, the thing is, you don't have to look very far, do you? I mean, when you're, when you're doom scrolling, I, I, I was doom tubing, which is YouTubing, looking at the doom stuff, you know, and doom tubing, it says the end of America as we know it, you know, and you listen to that guy for a little while. What's the, what do you need to invest in? Invest in gold guns and cans of tuna, you know, and, and, and you start to look at all that and you're going like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know what, what's coming. What's, what, what's going to happen? Um, and you think about it, though. I mean, at the height of the pandemic, I don't know about you, but it kind of reminded me of The Walking Dead when you went out around, you know, because like downtown Houston was like a ghost town. It's like nobody's there. It, it, was, it was like The Walking Dead, except on The Walking Dead, nobody was hoarding toilet paper. And 
the, the thing about it, you know, it wasn't like Rick and the gang, you know, had to go up against the wipers, you know, that had the last rolls of toilet paper. But you, sometimes it's like truth is scarier than fiction, you know. So we have all this stuff going on and we're trying to figure out what do we do? Thank God COVID is past. What? Wait, no? It's not past? Um, you know, maybe some of you are chronic. You know what chronic is? That, that's when you got all the vaccines and you still got COVID more than once after that. And, and you feel that, you know? I mean, and it's coming back. And now they've got all these like substrains. What is a substrain? You know, I don't even know what that is, but there's like Omicron and all the Greek alphabet, then substrains of all of that. And on top of that, you've got monkey pox, which I think they got from the chicken. Maybe the monkeys, I don't know. Do you know the latest thing is bee pox? You break out in hives. I, that was a dad joke. I did that one myself. I think it's time that we zumped the word unprecedented. How about that? And looked to Jesus' words on the subject. So you ready? Let's see what Jesus had to say. Because Jesus said that crises will come for all of us. It might be a worldwide thing. It might be something unprecedented. Oh, we zumped that, didn't we? But it could be something that's really personal. Some of you are going through a crisis right now. Maybe it's a small personal thing, but it doesn't feel small and personal to you. So Jesus had some words for us, and I love his words. In Matthew 7, starting with verse 13, he talked about crisis specifically. Listen to what he said. This is so interesting. He said, there are two paths before you. You may take only one path. One doorway is narrow and, the, and one door is wide. Go through the narrow door for the wide door leads to a wide path. The wide path is broad. The wide, broad path is easy. The wide, broad path, easy path has many, many people on it. But the wide, broad, easy, crowded path leads to death. Now then, that narrow door leads to a narrow road that in turn leads to life. It's hard to find that road. Not many people manage it. Well, Jesus, how will we know what path someone is on? And he says, I'm glad you asked. Listen to what he says. You will recognize them by their fruits. You don't find sweet, delicious grapes growing on thorny bushes, do you? You don't find delectable figs growing in the midst of prickly thickle, <laughs> thickles, thistles, People and their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit, but bad trees bear ugly, bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly, bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. And what happens to the rotten trees? They're cut down. They're used for firewood. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Simply calling me Lord will not be enough. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven, will join me in heaven. At the end of time, on that day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive demons out of the possessed in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? But I will say to them, I never knew you. And now you must get away from me, you evildoers. Say, yeah, Jesus, that, that's about heaven and judgment. But what about the here and now? What about crises? He goes on, let me give you an illustration. These people who are listening to me, 
those people who hear what I say and live according to my teachings, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock, on a firm foundation. When storms hit, rain pounded down, waters rose, levees broke, and winds beat all the walls of that house. But the house did not fall because it was built upon rock. Those of you who are listening and do not hear, you who are like a fool who builds a house on sand. When a storm comes to his house, what will happen? The rain will fall, the waters will rise, the wind will blow, and this house will collapse with a great crash. I think there are three quick points to to note about this illustration, this last illustration that Jesus gives. The first is all of us are building a house. This is what Jesus is calling our life on earth. We're all building our life. We have a life, and it appears to be pretty solid in good times. In fact, most people's lives appear pretty solid in good times. The second point, a storm is going to come to every house. Whether you're a believer or you're not, it doesn't matter. Storms are going to come to every life. And the third point, the difference between the two houses doesn't become apparent until the storm hits them. And that's when you can see who people really are when the storm comes. My dad used to say it like this, crises cannot destroy our faith. Faith can't be destroyed by crisis. Crisis simply tests our faith. You see, real faith can't be destroyed by crisis, but pseudo-faith can, religion can. And so those crisis crises that come into our lives, they test us. They test our faith. They, they see if we're built on rock or we're built on sand. So you say, well, Mark, how do we stand in the storm? I think a big key for us this morning is we've got to recognize that our spiritual life is a journey. It's not a classroom. It's a journey. You know, Jesus said there are two paths before you. He didn't say there are two desks in front of you. Sit down and get a lot of knowledge. He didn't say that. He said there are two paths. It's a journey, and it's a journey with him. And he talks about that narrow road. Now, the good news of it being a journey is (laughs) we're not there yet. I'm a work in progress. That gives me hope. (laughs) You know, I don't know about you, but I need that. If you're married, it gives you a lot of hope because you look at that spouse and go, if this is as good as it gets, I'm toast, right? You know, and it's like, no, it's not as good as it gets. If you're a believer, every day God's going to be working and growing and moving. He promises to do that. He's not done with you yet. There's a common misunderstanding of a lot of people in the American church. And basically what that is, is they want to become more knowledgeable. They want to become more knowledgeable. And there's a place for that. Doctrine has a place. Bible knowledge has a place. When we know the Bible, then we're not tossed around by every little wind of culture that comes along. And we can, we, we can stand up to that. But that is not the point of the Christian life. That's not what Jesus says. The point of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus. Well, how do you become more like Jesus? You spend time with Jesus like we just did at the beginning of the service. You spend some time 
with him. That's the only way that you can become more like him. Don't confuse biblical knowledge with the transformation of the heart. And it's so important that, that we get that. Jesus said you will recognize them by their fruits, not by their words, by their fruits. A test that, that I use all the time, my measuring stick, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And the reason why is because it tells us the fruits that Jesus is talking about. It says the fruits, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, it says, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you see that fruit in your life? You see those things? Jesus said it like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father. They're the ones that are going to join me. Words are easy. I mean, it's easy to say words. I read this week about a husband who was always saying to his wife, honey, I would die for you. She got really frustrated in one day. She said, you're always saying that, but you never do it. Words are easy, right? It's easy to say words. In fact, when I first became a believer some decades ago now, I, I used to think that people who knew words, like religious words, they were the ones that I wanted to emulate, you know? But that's not what Jesus said. There's this Christian ease that's a kind of a language unto itself, kind of like the COVID language that we just talked about. In fact, if you're new to church and you've never been in church before, let me just kind of give you some, some, some definitions, you know? It's, sometimes I would see people in their Bibles all marked up and they went to every event. And, you, you know, I just thought, wow, they just, and they could speak these Christian words I didn't even know what they were talking about sometimes. And I just thought, oh, that's, I need to be like that. Here's some popular phrases and their translations. Christianese, if it be God's will. Translation, I really don't think God's going to answer this one. Christianese, let's have a word of prayer. That means they're going to pray for a really long time. And you're going, I, they said a word, you know, but it's like a lot of words, right? How about this one? Christianese, that's not my spiritual gift. That means find someone else. Christianese, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Definition, I'm totally clueless right now. Christianese, Lord willing. Definition, you may think I'm going to be there, but I won't be right? Christianese, I don't feel led. Translation, you can't make me. Christianese, God led me to do something else. Translation, I slept in instead of going to church. Christianese, God really helped me with this test. Translation, I didn't study, but I guessed really good, and I'm going to give God the credit because maybe next time when I guess, he'll help me. Christianese, she has such a sweet spirit. What an airhead. Christianese, I have a check in my spirit about that guy. What a jerkwad, right? Christianese, I'll be praying for you. Translation, there's an outside chance that I'm going to remember this this afternoon. I'm not sure, but, you know. How about this one? I have some prayer concerns about Pastor Mark. It's called gossip, right? I got a juicy morsel, and let me tell you about it. We'll pray about it, right? Christianese, you just have to put it in God's 
hands. Translation, don't expect me to help you. Christianese, you have a servant's heart. You'll hear that from our staff a lot. That means I need you to help me stack chairs. You have such a servant's heart. I just see that in you. Christianese, God wants to prosper you. Translation, give me all your money, right? And then one of my favorites, all God's people said, amen, right? You got to know that one. I, I was with a friend who had just come to Christ. He hadn't been in church. And the pastor said, all God's people said, and he just looked frozen. And I looked at him and he goes, I was going to say, hell yeah. But I didn't think that sounded like appropriate right now. And I said, well, that's pretty good. You know, uh, an old time Baptist evangelist came to Mexico City one time and I was listening to him and the benefit of having learned Spanish and gotten fluent in Spanish is you hear both sides now. You know, I used to just hear the English side and pretty good sermon, you know, but he was really going into the Christianese and he, he you know, he, he said, he said, the Holy Ghost convicted me and the translator went, okay, so there was like this, this ghost or something and he's like a lawyer, maybe a judge, I'm not sure, but uh, I think he's going to prison, you know, and, and then he said, so I grabbed hold of the horns of the altar. He goes, oh, now there's a bull. I don't know where the bull got in here, but there's like a bull. And I was washed in the blood of the lamb. Oh, now there's like a little lamb and everybody's bleeding. There's blood everywhere. I think the bull might've got him. I don't know. And it was a whole different sermon, you know? It was kind of entertaining to, to listen to both sides, but you know, everybody in church is just kind of looking at the guy, <laughs> kind of funny. I love you. I love this church. And I want you to hear me as clearly as you can. Biblical knowledge is important, but it's not enough. It's not enough. It has to go hand in hand with the desire to submit your life to the author of the book, to do the Father's will, to step into that. That's what Jesus is always talking about. Don't look for the person who's, who's got all this Christianese necessarily look for the person who's humbly rearranged their life so that their parenting, so that their marriage, so that their job, so that everything fits around God's word, God's will. And that's, what's important to them. Look to the one who manages their money and resources, the way God teaches someone who hungers and thirsts after God in such a way, because you're going to see these fruits of the spirit come out of them. And you won't see it sometimes in others. And that's one of the things that always concerns me at church is I don't want any of you to be one of those at the end when he says, but I said, Lord, Lord, I, I, I went to church so much, you know, more than I wanted to by far. And I didn't know you. I don't know you. I don't want that to be you. He says, step into this journey. You know, he said, it's a, it's a narrow path. You don't see it very often. Some of you have said, you know, Mark, last week when Marco spoke, when you and Laura speak, it seems so vulnerable and so real and, and, and you just like a regular person or we are regular people. But I think the reason we can do that with you is because we understand this idea, this understanding that life is a journey. And we've got a long way to go, just like you do. I've been a believer for decades now, but my goal is to try to stay one week ahead of you. 
And we're all in this together, right? And we're doing this together. This journey is something we're on together with our amazing Lord Jesus. And the big idea with spiritual life being a journey, it's as we walk with God daily in this journey, he changes us. Listen to these verses. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Here's another one. And I am sure that God who began, so it's a start there, began the good work in you, will continue, that means it's going on right now, his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. A lot of people feel like they're not good enough to step into faith, but no one's good enough ever. And he's the one that begins the good work. In fact, if you feel like you, you wanna do that, that is a drawing from him because apart from him, we don't even have that feeling. So you're not here by accident this morning if you're feeling that. You say, I wanna step into this journey. You step in, you say, I give you all of me. I wanna go on this journey with you. Forgive my sins, be my savior, be my Lord. And you begin to walk and then he begins to move you and change you and grow you as you obey the next thing that he shows you in his word. And it's just little baby steps, the next right small step, everything begins to change. You can't grow any faster. See, he delights to take our lust and change it to genuine love, to take our discontent and change it to joy, to take our insecurity and change it to peace. He wants to take our edgy personalities and transform that into patience. He wants to take our mean streak and make goodness come out of it. That, that's, that's the things that he does. He wants to take our anger and our rage and change it to gentleness. He wants to take our drive to control everyone and everything around us and change it to self-control. God is in the life change business and he doesn't wanna just fine tune our words. He wants to transform us at the very core of who we are. And he does that as we journey with him, as we walk with him. Some of you are thinking, well, that might be good for you, Mark, but you don't know how much. I mean, you probably didn't have to change that much. You don't know me. All of us are the same. We all need a lot of changing, right? There are things in my life that I thought, well, God can't change that. That's just the way I am. But God doesn't work that way. He doesn't look at me and go, well, well that's just the way you are. So I'm gonna kind of step around that and we'll work on these other things. No, he, he's changed some deep things inside of me that I never thought anyone could change. And he's done it just in that simple way as I've walked and journeyed with him on that narrow path. So how does God do this? What is this change process like? I mean, what, what, what do we do? How does this work? Some of you are here because you've seen a boss or a coworker, their life has totally changed. And you're going like, I need to figure out what's going on. Or maybe it's a daughter or a son or a spouse. And you're thinking they're, they're so different. There's something up. The apostle Paul, I think summarizes this pretty well. Listen to what he says about the process of change. I'm not there yet, says Paul, nor have I become perfect but I'm charging on to gain anything and everything the anointed one Jesus has in store for me. 
and nothing will stand in my way. Why? Because he has grabbed me and won't let go. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? He has grabbed me and won't let go. No, dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. Jesus said, when the storm comes, not if, when the storm comes, how, how, how do we be ready for that? We've got to learn how to refuel for one thing. How do you refuel? You know, I used to have this cute little um, Honda Ridgeline truck. I actually bought one again. And um, then I saw the new Jeep Cherokee come out back when they changed all the way it looked, you know, and I got a really cool looking Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk. It was the first Jeep I ever had. And I was just, I thought it was just so awesome. And, but the thing is, here's the thing, a Honda, when the gas gauge gets to empty on that big E, you still got like 40 miles or more left in the tank. Did you know when the E on a Jeep gets to E, you have no gas in the tank. I learned that on the side of 290. As I was driving down 290 thinking, you know, oh, I got like 25 miles, 30, 40, I don't know what. And blah, 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 blah. And I coasted off. Luckily, I got off of 290 and on the side road in the middle of some godforsaken place. And it was, I had to call Laura. I called her and I said, honey, can you go buy a gas can at Walmart and then go fill up the gas can and then, you know, and she did all of that for me. And it was amazing. Beautiful wife did all that for me. I learned a lesson though. Don't run out of gas, right? Now in life, we're very different, Laura and I. Laura's like a Honda. You know, when she says, I am done with this. I am not doing this anymore. She's still got like 40 miles left. When I say, that's it. I'm done. I mean, I am toast. And so what we both had to learn, though, was how to refuel. Don't, don't even get close. Don't, don't be on the E and wonder if it's a Honda or a Jeep, right? Refuel before that. How do you refuel? Just like what we did at the beginning of the service. Just add some scripture to that. I would say start in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. It's got more teachings of Jesus in that little book than anywhere else in the Bible. And just read a few verses and spend time with Jesus and then go through that little exercise where you thank him and you praise him and you say, reveal to me anything that's blocking anything between us and then fill me again. Because what happens when you're filled with the spirit, you know what comes out? When the storm hits, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. I mean, imagine... Wives, if your husband was filled with the Spirit, and that's all that ever came out when you poked at him, or vice versa, you know? And, and, and that's, that's what begins to happen. Let me get really practical with you. How do I know that God is working in my life? You ask that question. How do I know that God is working in my life? You look at the fruits, you know, like, Today, when you go out in the parking lot and somebody cuts you off and you wave and smile at them, celebrate because just two weeks ago, you would have just waved one finger at them, right? 
And it's like, this is different. I'm growing. I'm, something's changing, right? One time, Laura was behind uh, this really slow car, and she's trying to get to the Bible study that she's teaching. She was getting so frustrated, and she just about just zipped her. Finally, she said, oh, I'm just going to, God, give me patience, give me patience. And luckily, because the lady pulled up at the Bible study, you know, because she thought she was going to go around and like, you know, what are you doing? And then she would have been teaching them on patience that day. Um, <clears throat> when you go two weeks without doing something greedy, when that's been your issue, celebrate it. You're, you're growing. If you're an overspender and you go a month and you live within your budget, throw a party. I mean, a cheap party, right? An inexpensive party, but throw a party. And when you didn't make yourself look better at the expense of another person, that's a big deal for some of us, right? When you come back from that business trip, guys, and, and you didn't look at the five-minute free nudie channel thing, you know, you're growing, you're changing, you're becoming. When you take cash out of your business and you record it as income instead of uh, making up some miscellaneous, fictitious, you know, kind of uh, expense, smile. You're taking steps toward integrity at Community of Faith. We want to walk with you in this journey. We're all on it. And I need you to walk with me. I mean, don't put me on a pedestal. Don't put any of us on a pedestal, you know, because we're just like you. When I fall down on my face, I want you to pick me up and dust me off and go, come on, Mark, you can do this. When you fall down, I'll pick you up. Come on, we can do it. You know, I, I love that church is an encouraging place. I've been to some that aren't, but this place is. It kind of reminds me of when I played football at Klein High School, you know, and that's every time I was getting ready to run out on the field, the coach would hit me on the rear end and go, go get them, shook. Now, that's the only time that guys can hit each other on the butt. You know, I mean, it's like outside of that. I tried it once with one of the music guys, you know, as they were, that didn't go good. Just when you're playing football, it's okay. Don't, don't just do it. Somebody did that in between the services to me. Um, We don't ever have to give in to fear. We don't know the future, but we know the one we're walking with hand in hand, right? And here's the amazing thing. Every morning when you wake up, Jesus is there. And he says, welcome to your tomorrow. I've been here waiting for you. And then you spend time with him. Do you do that? He's been waiting for you all through that long night to welcome you in to your tomorrow. Because he's outside of time. He's already there. You spend time with him. I don't know why he would even want to humble himself to spend time with me. He already knows everything I'm going to say. That's got to be boring, right? And sometimes I think when I'm praying, he's going, yeah, come on, come on, you know. But he doesn't do that. And he's there for us, his little sons and daughters. And if there's a huge crisis on the horizon, he's already there. He already is in it. And he's saying, hey, today, something special. We're going to walk on the water. Come on. Not just a regular day. Today's walk on water day. You're going to get to see what it feels like, what Peter felt like when he got out of that boat and started walking on the water. That's what he does. That's who he is. We don't have to fear. 
I've been here and you're tomorrow waiting to journey with you on this narrow path. C.S. Lewis wrote this advice in 1948. When people were concerned about the atomic bomb it had just been invented and everybody was so worried about it, <clears throat> we've kind of forgotten that they're all out there now, but you know, and, and you remember, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't around, some of you remember, because you've told me, it was like you used to get under your, they'd have like a bomb drill and you'd get under your desk, because that's such good protection from atomic bombs, you know? Get under my desk and, oh good, it can't get me, I'm under my desk. But he says this in 1948, and I think it's just as applicable today. He says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, well, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. He goes on, this is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and good things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. It's interesting because he says any microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. I think that's still good advice. I'm going to give you some homework because what you have to do, you have to practice. See, none of us are really ready for the big crisis. We kind of figured that out when the pandemic hit. It was like, whoa, what's this? And a lot of us discovered we were building on sand. And some of our houses even crashed. But we have a chance to start afresh and anew. And so we step into this relationship with Jesus. And we step out with him as he's holding our hand. But we have to start with small little crises, you know, little crises that, that, that are maybe seem almost insignificant, like at home or, or in the workplace. Or let's say you go to HEB and you're at HEB this week and you have seven items. And so you get in the 15 or less and then you look at the person in front of you. They are mathematically challenged. You ever been there? Security. Security, come arrest this person. They've got 87 things in their basket. I counted them. What do you do? Stop. This is your crisis, okay? You say, well, that's a ridiculous. No, it's not. This is your crisis. Holy Spirit, starting to lose it. Fill me up again. I agree with you. That's sin that that guy's doing. No, you don't look at him, okay? <clears throat> you just say, I feel it. Now, give me patience. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to even share about Jesus with that guy. God knows you're going to have time with all of his items, right? And, and so you, you just, you, you say, I'm available. I'm here. And even stay in the line. Practice, you know? I mean, don't you? I hate it 
because you always get in another line, and it's always slower. I don't know why that is. Why is the line you get in the slowest line, you know? Or the person says, well, we can't find that. Hang on, I'll be back in a minute, and they just disappear. That just, it seems, but that's the test, okay? So, listen, I'm not saying don't prepare. I'm not saying don't get out of debt. I'm not saying don't collect some cans of tuna. I didn't say that, okay? What I'm saying is there's no way, no matter how much prepping you do, if you're not walking with Jesus on the narrow path, day by day, moment by moment, little by little, that you're going to be ready for the crisis. You're going to face a crisis. I don't know if it's going to be the end of America. I don't know if it's going to be some smaller thing that's a personal thing to you, but it's going to feel like the end of your world sometimes. Jesus said crisis is going to come to all of us. Crisis tests our faith. It can't destroy our faith. If your faith, I have people all the time, no, that crisis destroyed my faith. No, that wasn't faith. That was religion or a pseudo faith. Because when you're trusting this one, see, you say, well, that's so simple. I mean, that seems too simple. Jesus said, the Christian life, you want to know how it's lived? It's lived like a little child. Like a little child puts his hands in the hand of a good father and walks and listens and learns and takes each small right step. And I'll change you and I'll grow you. And when that big crisis hits, when everyone else is hoarding tuna, I'm praying that community of faith will be such a community that we'll have each other's backs and then we'll even share our cans of tuna with people around us. And I'll go, what is up with them? Because we know our God is able to provide. Maybe he's just going to make those cans of tuna just keep on going like he did the widow's oil in the Bible. You know, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to take care of us. He's walking with us. What's the worst thing that can happen? I could die. Yeah, and then you're face to face with him holding his hand for real, right? We should be the least fearful people on the planet. So when the crisis comes, if you're doing those simple things, practicing in the small crisis, spending time with Jesus every day, remember, Gospel of John, just a few verses. I didn't say spend three hours in the morning, you know, reading through the whole Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. No, you don't have to do that. It's like Gospel of John, just a few verses, and then thank him, praise him, confess your sin. Be filled. Keep walking that way. And when the real crisis comes, the big one, you'll find yourself walking on the water with Jesus hand in hand. It's going to be okay because he's got your hand. And you'll find that you've built your life on the rock because he's the rock. He's the only rock that doesn't move. He's the only rock that's stable in all the shifting sand. I want you just to close your eyes with me. I have a dream for us that we would become a people that so trust God's good heart for us that we don't fear, that we don't worry. I didn't say we don't prepare. 
we don't worry. It can all be taken away tomorrow. You know, stock market could drop 90% like people say, but that's not real money anyway. That's why we want to be putting it up in heaven where Jesus said that moth and rust and thieves and inflation, all that kind of stuff can't get it. Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to be your people. We want to be a light to the world. We want to show them the miracle of what it looks like to walk on the water in the midst of the biggest storm that maybe has ever hit the United States of America. We trust your heart. We believe in you. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us and let us walk tomorrow hand in hand with you as a little child, simply trusting your great heart for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, community of faith. Have a great rest of the weekend.